Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. The Around the League Podcast features a former mailman. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined, as always, heroes everywhere, Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Woo! We've been spending a lot of time together, the four of us. Last yeah. couple days, yes, maybe up. maybe a little too much. Maybe I might have to take another vacation just to split it up a little <laughs> bit. Here, late into the night on the fourth preseason game, which is a really a depressing night, but at least it's, it means the preseason's over. And then we're just chained to our desk, cranking out cuts for the next uh, few days. Very exciting. We have a packed show today, so we should get right to work. We have coming up today, we have a Defensive Player of the Year talk. We re rolled those out today. We're going to do a little news, what's going on, finish up our divisional previews, the NFC West, and then our new game show. It's Sweeping the Nation, or it will be <laughs> as soon as people hear it Win Wes's Toaster. Uh, but let's start. Oh, by the way. That's quite a tease. Yeah, I that's mean... a lot. Of, that's a big tease right there. <laughs> Um, by the way, we should also say you should um, subscribe to us on iTunes, download, leave comments, caress your monitor. Is there anything else? We were told we should do so these things. So many orders for these poor people. But subscribe. Subscri- tell, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Um, I was saying, In the newsroom, Damashek was saying he's uncomfortable saying these things about his own podcast. We don't feel the same way. We're shameless. We want the glory. And if you come with us, you will have glory as well. Uh, so do all that, and thank you for listening. Do you have any Kool-Aid to give away? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and some matching Nikes. Um, all right, so let's start. <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year. Um, Greg, do you want to get going on this? I know we, we had a consensus of J.J. Watt was our consensus. Uh, Wes, myself, and... That's the two of us. Does that count as a consensus? <laughs> well, well, that's two out of four of the people in this room. That's, All right. And then you had Patra. Uh, less than Meatloaf. But let's go around the horn on this. So, Greg, that you did not pick Watt. Who was your pick for Defensive Player of the Year in 2013? I try to simplify things. And, you know, voters vote for sacks usually. So I tried to think, who do I think is going to lead the league in sacks? And I went with Clay Matthews. He was a monster last year. He should have won the Defensive Player of the Year in 2010. 
Uh, I just like his chances of getting to about 20 sacks, something like that. He's set up for a big year. I think the Packers are going to the Super Bowl, so they'll have plenty of tension. So he, he to me, made the most sense. I, I can't com- I can't uh, say that won't happen. I mean, he, he's the type of guy that – we talked about him actually on Wednesday and the ability that he could bring to that defense. Is he, is he a guy that could be the difference maker that makes that defense good enough to be a contender, Super Bowl contender? I think he's one of the five biggest difference makers on defense in the entire league. When he's on the field, they're a completely different team. And I think also uh, Kevin Patcher, who's not here, he had picked Alden Smith. That's probably under the same type of thinking that Sacks produce Defensive Player of the Year. He's another guy who he had 19 and a half before Justin Smith went out last year. Um, Mark Sessler, who do you got? I went with, uh, well, I had this feeling that everyone was going to go with J.J. Watt, um, and I was only partly right on that. Your uh, feelings are money. You're, you're, right. all about, he, you are all about the feelings. I'm about feelings. You're and like it, the opposite of pro football Maybe Damashek was correct. Rumford Johnny Damashek <laughs> pegged you as the Diane Chambers of our Cheers cast. Yeah. It might be true. I had, I had a hard time arguing was, with was that. Was this a metaphysical feeling you had? No, this is less, there wasn't so much a spiritual vibe to this yeah. in my pick. I do have, I feel a lot of good uh, energy around Patrick Peterson, though. I think Arizona's defense is not necessarily uh, a top 10 material, but it could be because there's a lot of sneaky talent there. But Peterson, to me, is one of the more interesting young athletes in the league. I think we're going to see him, A, on offense, which will be a whole different storyline. But I just think he's an ascendant cornerback. I love what I've seen him. I think that they've built a defense around his skill set. And listen, I honestly, I just wanted to, he just stuck out to me, and I just went with it. I don't have a million metrics behind me, it. I just uh, think he's that guy. Let me ask you this. How is his aura? <laughs> I don't know. I don't read auras. <laughs> Some people do. I don't go down that road. It's hard for a cornerback to win it. When's the last it is. Who is the last cornerback well, to win? Charles, Charles Woodson won when it. When he and stole be, it from Revis. Right. Uh. And the guy that Pat Peterson was compared to recently, Deion Sanders, won it in 94. So, yes, it is tough. I mean, Palomalu is a safety won it. Yeah, a couple years ago, it's not. It's. I think Greg is very right, and the sack count has so much. It's what the numbers that pop out. But I'm just rolling the dice. I'm going Patrick Peterson, Pat Cat offense. Ooh, I like that. The Pat Cat. Uh, Wes, since I trust you in these matters, I want you to speak for both of us in making the case <laughs> for J.J. Watt. Because Dan, by the way, just copied Wes's entry. Yeah, that's all I did. I rearranged <laughs> the words. Now that I'm authorized. Yeah. Well, I feel like J.J. Watt just is coming off the best defensive season I've ever seen. Uh, in addition to the 20 and a half sacks, which everyone knows, 39 tackles for no gain or a loss. Most 3-4 ends in the NFL don't even have 39 tackles, period. Um, the 3-4 ends job, uh, I don't know if you guys out there know this, is to occupy blockers so linebackers can make plays. J.J. Watt throws all that out the window. He makes all the plays. Uh, you throw in the 16 batted passes, it's just we've never seen a season like that. Uh, Mayock, our guy, Mike Mayock, said before the draft that J.J. Watt would be the best five-technique defensive end in, in the history of the NFL, and it looks like he's well on his way to that. I just don't see his play falling off in any way. And no. I'll, I'll just add also that he's 24 years old. <laughs> like this, It's insane what this guy has done in two years, so uh, there is no ceiling here. Well, that's one of the reasons I didn't choose Watt is I would know to know if I was ready to put him among the all-time greats Already, and if he won two defensive player that players of the year at this age, he would be among the all-time greats. Right. The only player that's ever defended this title 
is Lawrence Taylor in his first and his second year. Wade Phillips would be disappointing that you're disappointed that you're not listening to him. He called him a <laughs> Hall of Famer before last season. <laughs> and, and he's on his way. And it, just history tells us guys come back to the pack just a little bit after seasons like that. Because if he does what you say, we're going to start talking about J.J. Watt in the same way that we talk about Tom Brady and Peyton Manning on offense. That would be the level he'd be there at. Were, there was a two-month stretch last year where I thought he was the best player in the NFL, quarterback or not. He was just that dominant. I think he's that dude. He's the LT-type talent. I, I agree. I, I wrote that I thought about picking him for MVP, but because I'm not huge on the Texans this year, that would have been weird. But I think he – who's better than him physically in this league right now, especially at that position? I don't know. He's awesome. I find it interesting that you have the defensive player of the year – on a team that you have going 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah, I do, because I don't trust their offense even a little bit. It's just a strange soup you've created here. Well, taste it. Do you, want, well, do you want Mark and I to tell you why you believe the Texans will finish 8-8? Eight and eight? Well, I went on Houston radio yesterday, and it got really awkward. They gave out my Twitter handle, and uh, they grilled me pretty hard, but I thought I stood up well to it. Um, Greg, we are... We are rolling through these. What do we have coming out? Right through the weekend, we're doing these breakdowns of uh, awards, right? We are doing Coach of the Year on Sunday, and we'll have our Rookies of the Year offense and defense on Saturday. So check it out. No, the no Offensive Player of the Year breakdown? We, uh, let's <laughs> never talk. Let's never say those words again, Offensive <laughs> Player of the Year. The abolishment of that award is pretty much my life's goal <laughs> as a member of the media. It's never made any sense to I, me I why queued, we have that. I queued Greg up for that because I know he hates that. Just like it's very easy to queue Damashek up on his hatred of Labor Day, which he, <laughs> he, he sees as the, the man holding us down by giving us a day off. Um, <laughs> all right, Crystal Rich, how are you behind the glass? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing great. Are we? I don't know if I was We're convinced okay. by that great Crystal. No, do I have to scream and shout behind this glass for you guys to be convinced? Woof. Woo. K-Rich. No. All right. Here we go. Crystal, let's do a little news before we uh, move into our division breakdowns. All right, guys. Starting out with news from the concrete jungle. New York Giants veteran running back Andre Brown breaks his leg. I'm whispering hashtag David Wilson. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Threw in the hashtag. First of all, if you play off Route 3 in northern New Jersey, is it really the concrete jungle when it's really a marshland? North Jersey, South Jersey, there's the Mason-Dixon line. North Jersey's all New York. It's, okay. a, it's a big parking lot, though, which is made of concrete. That's pretty much where they play, and is two gigantic parking lots back-to-back. Yes. Well, this kind of is, this is who Andre Brown is. He's been released or waived double-digit times in the NFL now, but... Uh, Blew out his Achilles as a rookie, fractured his leg last year, has now has another f- leg fracture. He, he can't stay healthy. The Giants weren't going to be able to rely on him all year no matter what. Uh, I think this is another lesson for the fantasy football guys. Don't pay attention to the experts. If David Wilson was one of your guys that you had to get, don't worry about reaching for him. Get him in whatever, whatever round you wanted to. And Swing for the fences. That's funny you should say that because, Mark, who did we select with our fifth-round pick in our NFL.com desk league draft? Uh, after putting our heads together, we selected David Wilson, a running back for the Giants. Ah, very nice pick by Nicely Allison Bree. Nicely maneuvered. Very nice, Allison Bree. What else is in the news, K. Rich? All right, I'm thinking about the ups and downs of Terrell Pryor on this run. Raiders head coach Dennis Allen won't name a starting QB. Can I say one thing about the Raiders? I think it's possible. It, we, we talked about the AFC West a while ago. All of us gave bad predictions, essentially, for Oakland. 
I would de- that's, that's the an te- understatement. I would by the downgrade way. from just a couple weeks ago where I where I thought they where I th- think Which they'll end up where? this season. Didn't you have them at three wins? Yeah, I, I, I honestly I don't see where that comes from. I'm really concerned about uh, whatever quarterback they put back there. I understand Pryor can run the ball. He did not look like a professional quarterback throwing he was football. Grim yesterday. I, um, I spoke too soon on Cam Newton having the worst footwork in the NFL. <laughs> Terrell Fryer was jumping and passing the ball last right. night. And it worked for him the week before, and I don't know who they're going to – I think they're still going to start Pryor. I, I think it's a no-brainer. They're going to start him. They're going to go with the read option. It defines his reads. It takes away the gray area. It makes it easier to see the field, and that's where they're going to go with – how much confidence do we have that Greg Knapp can drive that train? I got to say, I am rooting for the Raiders now to cut off to a hot start just to shut everyone up. It would be a great story that they, if they could just somehow be halfway decent in September, it would be fun to see. And if, and if they got to six win, wins, right, that it might be time for Will Chris, Chris Wessling eat his softball pants? I'm still feeling pretty good about it. You should that. feel good. All right, Crystal, what else? All right, next up, the Patriots part ways with tight ends Jake Ballard and Daniel Fells. You guys want to hear another rant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let it go, Wes. Chris's so, face just lit up oh, when he heard is, the this word is great. Christmas Day. This is great. People think it's really easy to play in the NFL. If you are an established player who Jake Ballard was, he was established, but he didn't move well before he had microfracture and ACL surgery on his knee. And the Patriots claim Jake Ballard off waivers from the Giants. So we see from both sides, Giants beat writers are all bent out of shape. How could we lose Jake Ballard as if he's going to be the same guy coming off of blowing out his knee as he was before? And the Patriots, you know, from their side, it was, look how much of a genius Bill Belichick is, stealing this great tight end and hurting the Giants. I think they erected like a Bud Kilmer-esque uh, Belichick statue after he picked up Jake yeah, Ballard. Yeah, and then, you know, all along I'm thinking, why would you assume a guy who doesn't move well is going to be the same player he was after surgery? And we find out all offseason in the summer that Jake Ballard isn't moving well because his leg isn't what it once was. Yeah, but I would give the Patriots a little bit of credit in the sense that I personally follow a team that seems completely allergic to bringing in veterans or from or other parts of the league, guys that were proven at some point. And I like how New England takes a shot on these guys, but they don't take a shot for two or three years. They aren't afraid to cut bait with Albert Hainsworth, Ocho Cinco, and this guy when they realize he's not going to well, work. My rant had nothing to do with what the Patriots did or who Jake Ballard is. It had to do with the coverage of it and the perception that it was such and, a great move. And Wes, you you wish Jake Ballard well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I hope he catches <laughs> on with another team and I hope and Just I hope to make it, sure. I hope it flies <laughs> under the radar when he catches on with another team and he can go back about resuming his career. So the New York media has overreacted to something. It's uh, <laughs> it is a bizarre thing, but yes, they did. Classic concrete jungle. Anything else, Crystal? All right. Last thing for today. The Bills place Kevin Cobb on injured reserve, ending his season. And this is a sad story. I don't think it surprises anyone, but it just, you know, hits home. He was starting a a football game a week ago, less than a week ago, and he was going to start week one potentially, and he gets a concussion, and now we think, Probably his career's over. What do we think? I mean, this is a guy that signed a what a thirty million dollar deal a couple of years ago. His season's over, and I just don't know if any other team is going to even want to sign him, even if he wanted to continue and, his career. And was he even anything to write home about as a player without the head injuries? 
Well, I, yeah, I think what's going to happen is he's never going to get another chance to start again because why would a team invest not even just the money but the roster spot? So you're going to carry how many veterans into training camp and divide those snaps, and you can't count on him to be the backup because if he takes one more hit to the head, his career's over? Yeah, it's so, almost like you have to have starter 1A and 1B. Right, if you so ever what's the incentive in? for him to keep risking his future for a backup job or maybe a chance at a backup job? Yeah, and it's a low moment for Matt Leinert too because he is getting cut by the Bills, even Ouch. though that they're even though that they don't have Cobb for the start of the season. So they're, they're just rolling with EJ Manuel, Jeff Tool, and maybe Mark's favorite player in the NFL, Thad Lewis. <laughs> Who are we more likely to see in the NFL again, Leinert or Cobb? I would say Leinert. Hey, you got that? He's healthy, even though uh, his play wasn't healthy last I heard night. A, interview yesterday a local Tampa radio guy interviewing Greg Cosell and he wanted to know all about Matt Leinart and, and Cosell's answer was that's easy he can't throw let's move on to the next question Cosell's a nice guy too all right okay so that is it for the news thank you Crystal excellent work there as always um, moving on to our final divisional preview let's I'm a little let's sad reflect these are a little ending. bit because this has been a nice little run these last two and a half weeks. You didn't like it when we did uh, the training camp previews a couple weeks ago, but Dan's gotten into the segments. <laughs> he's gotten into being a host, and now he, he likes it. Just like I'm going to get you in on Win West's Toaster, the greatest <laughs> trivia game in the history of mankind. Yeah, I was slightly outvoted on whether trivia in general is an exciting part of thing, but it's it's okay. We'll let the kids play. Okay, <laughs> and that's fine. That's fine. Okay, so but let's let's do some business first. Let's talk a little NFC West. Uh, we this is a lot of people think is the best division in football. Um, we'll do f- one question for each, and we'll start with Chris Wessling, who's going to ask a question about the San Francisco 49ers, defending champions of the division. So one of the stories I did today uh, was Jim Harbaugh responding to a pretty generic question after last night's game. Cam Johnson is one of their outside linebackers, kind of fringe roster guy, and the question came to Harbaugh. It was posed, are you going to keep five outside linebackers? And he thought about it for a second and goes, yeah, you know, we could do that. Heck yeah! Why, why wouldn't we? We're the San Francisco 49ers. We could do whatever we want. Classic Harbaugh. Right? It's just a great look. Like, And to me, that perfectly captures the state of the 49ers coaching staff in front office. They are the most confident, most innovative. They're in that I'm Keith Hernandez moment. Like, we, right. can, we can do whatever we want. It doesn't matter. Uh, so my question to you guys, is this the most innovative, confident coaching staff in the NFL? Well, by reading your post, I certainly believe so. I think you called Greg Roman brilliant. Somewhere I, I believe there. he is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Mark, what do you think? Well, you know, last year at the Super Bowl, we had a chance to roam around on media day and talk to all these players. But I had a chance to talk to, up in the stands, A, Greg Roman, and then uh, Fangio the next day. And it was hard to break away from those guys because they, it was just a bunch of guys asking Roman about the approach the offense had taken from week one through the shift in quarterbacks and where they were heading into the Super Bowl. It was fascinating to listen to him, to be honest. And I think that he's very underrated as an offensive coach. And uh, I don't know if football coaches should be called brilliant in general. I think that's thrown around pretty loosely. But to watch the 49ers from week to week was to learn a lot about offensive football. The number of formations and the way that they changed things up from play to play and how the players honestly must have been taught well enough to respond to that. Not only also what they did with Alex Smith, the first coaching staff that really showed they could turn him into a functional quarterback and a successful one, 
I'd have to say that your theory is correct. They are the strongest coaching staff in football right now. I think they came into the NFL with very defined ideas of what they wanted to do, and they've gone out and they've executed it. So it's hard to really argue with you. I think you could look at another team in this division as another group that came in to a tougher situation, thinks pretty outside the box with their draft picks, uh, creates very interesting roles, especially on defense. Of course, I'm talking about the Seattle Seahawks and make a case for them as perhaps the most confident, innovative coaching staff and, and organization in the league because they see things very differently compared to most teams. That's why this, this is the best rivalry in the NFL right now. And to me, what I love about it is you can just tell that they are not concerned about what the rest of the league is doing or, or thinking about their own moves. And to me, that's when you see, uh, that's when you see who the best is in their chosen field. They're the vanguard. They're not worried about anyone else. I mean, it extends, like with the Seahawks, to the front office. It's not just the way the coaches operate, but their decisions and how they te- you know, team build. Yeah. You're right. It's not just renegade. They just, they're ahead of everyone else. So why keep an eye on who's behind you? And I'll draw one comparison just to take a little air out of the balloon. You know, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh saying we could do whatever we want. There are parallels here to me uh, in, in terms of the level of hubris that we're working with. Reminds parallels me, to you. It reminds me of. <laughs> is that what you said? It reminds me of uh, 1997. Little band from Britain called Oasis thought they were the kings Every, of the world. Everything goes back to Oasis, and they released "Be Here Now." And you know, then quickly they found out they weren't as good as they thought they were. Well, at least you didn't go back as far as like 1930 Germany or something Every, with this comparison. Everything <laughs> goes back to Oasis. Seriously, my hair looks like Oasis. It's either Oasis or Counting Crows. The Forty Niners have been underrated a rock band in the last thirty years. Oasis. I mean, they've they essentially you know a couple plays away from the mountaintop. They went. Yes. They, they've achieved things. Think okay. about their first picks. Not their first picks. I, I guess it was their second time around but Alden Smith and Kaepernick those were two pretty interesting picks just to start off and that right there changed everything and the way they've coached Kaepernick compared to Alex Smith I mean that's coaching that is maximizing your players strengths coming up with a new plan I mean it's it's reminiscent of the Patriots too who do a good job at this and they aren't worried what the rest of the league thinks that that's what coaching's all about, and and they are the I think probably the toughest team to prepare for uh, for opposing teams on a week to week basis. All right, let's move forward. Mark, give us one big question on the St. Louis Rams. All right, with the Rams, and I read something interesting in the uh, the annual Football Outsiders Almanac that basically the Rams wow. teams. Hey, Dan, you know I'd like <laughs> I like to suddenly put Dan's head into an explosion space. Good, but um, why he doesn't read. He, no, it's just I like that little football. plug. I like that little plug Stop. that he did. Well, because I didn't Splatter come up, with, I didn't come up with this on my own. <laughs> like I couldn't cite this. Okay. Okay, go ahead. So, anyways, so you've got a lot of talent potentially on offense, young players, but they come in with less experience at the wide receiver and running back positions in terms of touches and starts than all of the last four expansion teams did in their first year. And that's pretty rugged if you look at where some of those teams were. But you have to look at the Rams and say part of the reason is they've got extremely young players that if things click, this offense could be something St. Louis hasn't done since the days of Kurt Warner. My big question is, we've got, and we've brought this up once or twice before, we have Brian Schottenheimer, a historically conservative guy that you wouldn't exactly call inventive, running the show. Are we going to look back on this Rams offense and look at it after the end of the season as an opportunity missed? I read the entire almanac by the time you asked that question. <laughs> I like to phrase that completely, so there we go. 
That just took the wind out of Sessler's sails. He's going to sit <laughs> well, up Revenge for the hubris. <laughs> well, I think... Uh, I know you don't trust Schottenheimer. Um, I love his father. I don't trust the son as much. I feel like this is going to have to be a uh, spread offense. And I think they are one of the teams slow playing the rest of the NFL in the preseason. We haven't seen anything of what they're going to do. They're going to put Jared Cook in the left slot, Tavon Austin in the right slot, go four wide a lot. Uh, that's the way their personnel is set up. They have too many space players. They can't do a traditional base offense and succeed. Uh, I don't know that we'll look at on a missed, missed opportunity because I think I, I'm not going to tell you where I have them finishing yet, but I don't see them competing for the title, competing for the division title because I think they're another year away. But I think they are building something, and I just think people are getting a little caught up with them this year. I, I hope you're, they're slow pitching us because, you know, Tavon Austin, we were told by, who was it, Mike Mayock, that he had the type of skills where he could not be cover, covered and could be a revolutionary type player. Very quiet preseason for him. Couple big, a lot of big pun returns give the guy a little something. Oh, yeah, something. that's true. But I guess in terms of as an offensive weapon, uh, moving him around the field, making plays, we didn't see much. They just didn't, they didn't show anything. Yeah. I think it won't be a missed opportunity because they're, if there is a missed opportunity, it's that they don't take advantage of a very good defense that I think is only going to get better. But let's not overrate this offensive talent. I think they'd be doing well to be average. Let's, their wide receiver group, Givens, who I love, Tavon Austin, and some question marks, Brian Quicks in the mix, uh, Austin Pet. I mean, that's, I would say, a below-average wide receiver group. Jared Cook is the starting tight end. That's maybe an average tight end group. The offensive line hasn't been good in recent years. They add Jake Long. That's average at best. Uh, Sam Bradford has not been average. He's, he's about an average quarterback, and the running backs aren't very good, so... Top to bottom, I don't know if there's that talented. If they don't do that well, I think it's just because they don't have the players. Okay. Uh, you know, the, a Ram, the Rams are a team we're, we're not sure what to make of. Another one is the Arizona Cardinals in this division. I'll ask this question. Jonathan Cooper, we found out today, Bruce Arians said that that 10 to 12-week timetable was premature. They put him on IR. His rookie season is done. The number seven overall pick, a guy who could have done things, is out for the year. That hurts. Um, I don't see a lot of running lanes opening up in Arizona. The protection issues. Um, is everyone in a rush to lump the Cardinals in to the NFC West hype? You know, everybody says all these teams will be good. Should I really buy that, that the Cardinal, Cardinals will also be a team that's going to be uh, excellent this season? Believe in Bruce Arians. I'm sold on, on B.A., not just as an entertaining press conference. Cause he, or the Kangles. He's, he's one of the best. I mean, he's just fun to listen to. But I think he's a really good coach, and I think he's got plenty of talent to work with on offense. Yeah, I mean, I think their running back group is potentially a little bit better than last year. I'm not in love with it. The Cooper injury is a wind out of the sails type of loss because the whole thing here was they're going to fix the big weakness from last year. And Carson Palmer isn't exactly fleet of foot. So, you know, if he's not protected well, I don't love his chances. But again, Arians, like with what he did last season in Indy and what he's done essentially his whole career in Pittsburgh, frankly, what he did with Cleveland and that his season or two there, they haven't done since. So... Yeah, I trust Arians, and I think they'll be maybe, I don't know about record-wise, but a better football team on offense than last season. The Cooper injury really took a wind, a lot of wind out of my sails for this team. I, I like them all offseason. I love, um, I, I like Honey Badger, Peterson. They have, their defense has a lot of talent. On offense, the passing game looks like it can do some interesting things. Running back, there's very little depth there. The offensive line, there's no depth. 
I, I just feel like this team is like one or two injuries away from cratering. Um, but I, I do agree with Greg that I, I trust Bruce Arians. I just don't know that the roster is set up yet to to go more than seven and nine or, or eight and eight in a best case scenario. A lot of potential Pro Bowlers, including you know Mark's choice for Defensive Player of the Year on defense. I mean, there's a lot to work with there. And it's, Honey Badger, a lot of people are talking about him. I think he'll be good. I think Calais Campbell and Darnell Dockett. I mean, they're tough to deal with. It, it should be a tough defense to deal with. All right, Greg, why don't you wrap it up with a Seahawks question? Let's go with the Seattle Seahawks and their roster. When you look at it top to bottom, is this the deepest team in the NFL? Yes. Yes. Where are the weaknesses on the Seattle Seahawks roster? How about two questions? (laughs) Well, We only do one. I don't even know where to go when you ask a second one. I think you could say offensive line. There are some spots where they're not quite as deep. Uh, linebacker, they're not real deep. And then wide receiver with Harvin out. Do we really trust Jermaine Curse and Stephen Williams to play against the 49ers? I don't know that we can say that. And so I would say those would be their three shallowest spots. I just do not like uh, their long snapper. <laughs> he has been. It's hard to trust him. Character I, I don't issues. even know that is. Character um, it, no, I, I. You know, it's hard to just. We could pick something that's less strong than the rest of the group. I think they have some injuries at their pass rush situation right now. That when we get these guys back, we haven't even seen Cliff Avril. We haven't seen some of the additions. If these guys can play, Michael Bennett, then there, then there's not a weakness. That's a strength. But um, this is what team we call the deepest roster in football, and I don't think that's changed one iota since we posted that article. Clint Gresham, if you're out there listening, Seattle Seahawks long snapper, we apologize. <laughs> yeah, I love you. I don't, I don't even, long I mean, snappers yeah. are people too. That's yeah. the totally story of Clint's for. life. He's probably very solid. Okay, so let's go uh, Let's go around. Let's do the records for the division. We'll start with the great Chris Wesseling. I have Seahawks and 49ers both in the playoffs at 10-6. and six. Seahawks get the tiebreaker for the division title. Cardinals at 7-9. and nine. Rams at six and ten, and I know you know we're trying to be quick here, and I've got to get to uh, a haircut appointment. Camille's my guy in Sepulveda. Yes, I looked around the NFL newsroom, looked for the best hair, and asked that man, <laughs> "Where do you get your haircut?" <laughs> That's where I should be going. That was Dan, so thank yeah. you. Uh, my question, though, for you is: it, you just talked about how great the offense is, and then the deepest Seahawks uh, roster in the league. Why? Why only ten wins for both of them? It's a tough division. It's a tough conference. Some cannibalism. It is a tough conference. That's right. why. And their best offensive weapon, arguably, is on the shelf for most of the season. Sessler. Um, I disagree with Wes in the sense that I've in each of our division previews, I've been conservative with the record of the best team. Not with Seattle. I have them at 13-3. and three. Ow! That's better than anyone else in the league that I've predicted. I think they will be NFL's kings on that front. 49ers at 10-6. and six. Uh, The Rams will be the third team in that division to make the playoffs as my 9-7 and seven wild card entry. I like and it. I have the Cardinals talented but stumbling at 4-12 and 12 based on what Wes said. I think one or two injuries wow. floors them. That's a crater. Um, I have the Seahawks winning the division at 11-5. and five. The Niners also going in 11-5, and five, and they're getting one of the wild cards, the fifth seed. And then uh, Rams at 8-8 eight and eight, and Cardinals, I'm not sold, 6-10. and 10. Greg. I have a similar look. Uh, Seahawks at twelve and four. I have the 49ers falling back a bit to ten and six. I mean, this is a team that's only lost seven games over the last two years. I have the Rams and the Cardinals tying 
uh, for last place at seven and nine. So I, I do think this is going to be a very strong division. So who who are the surprising playoff teams we had from the NFC? You had the Rams. That's pretty good. I didn't have one. I I know I'm going to be wrong, but I have um, the Skins, Falcons, Packers, Seahawks, Niners, and Bears. Maybe the Bears a little bit, but not really. I have the Bears Shock. and not the Packers. A lot of chalk, yeah. Bears and Cowboys would be my biggest surprises, but neither of them is really a huge surprise. I had the Eagles and Panthers, so at least, you know, we stepped out and made some picks, unlike Dan. <laughs> I have three new playoff teams. Browns. I picked the Browns. Counts for double or triple. I think it's trivia time. I mean, I don't it's know. I'm, just, I'm he- feeling a lot of buzz in this, this room. Was People all, are excited. Everything we just did the last half hour was all a prelude just to get to this moment. Um, Chris Wessling downstairs on his desk has a has a toaster. It's NFL sanctioned. Uh, it's it's such a cool toaster because you're able to like put team names, imprint them on the toast somehow. How I don't know the science behind it, but you can do it. They do that with like um, what do you call it, Miss Kitty, and all the, they've got all these kind of toasters that can do magic. Is it dye? It's uh, I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, so anyway, it's so, alchemy. Don't worry about it. Yeah, Wes wants it. It's magic. Yeah, you're not getting my toaster. And, and but at the same time, we agreed. Yes, this is Wes's toaster. Only if he can hold on to it. So I figured, against Greg's wishes, I wanted to bring some type of trivia <laughs> element into the room. Uh, so what we did, we contacted uh, some uh, listeners with the help of the great K Rich behind the glass, and we got a couple contestants in a game I like to call Wes's toaster. This is all a thinly disguised ruse for Dan to live out his fantasies as a game show host. <laughs> actually, I feel like he would be great in that role. Okay, so here are the rules of the game. Uh, we will get a caller on the line. They're on hold right now. Uh, both Wes and the caller will get the same six questions. They get 30 seconds to answer. John, are you, uh, are you there? I am here. Woo! Hey, John, what's Johnny. up? Hello, John. Hey, how's it going? Hey, where are you from, John? Uh, Northwest Indiana. Ah, Colts by c- Gary. Ooh. It's actually uh, Bears country. I uh, grew up a Packers fan, though. And how many years have you yeah, been right listening to the Around the League podcast? <laughs> Were you neighbors with um, the Jackson Five? <laughs> I've actually been to the Michael Jackson house, but I've been uh, listening to the ATL since its uh, debut behind Gamashek. Oh, wow. that, and it should be known that in the screener call that K. Rich did. John got every answer right. So, John, how got a real far, competitor. How far is your neighborhood from Jay Cutler's hometown of Christmas, Indiana? Santa um, Claus. I believe it's Santa Claus, Indiana. Oh, but Santa I don't Claus. Know, oh. Be, uh, All right. So, John. Did I get a point for that one? Yes. <laughs> no? Wes, are you done asking geography <laughs> questions? <laughs> I love geography. Okay, Mark Sessler, you are on clock duty. You will be timing this. So, John, and just to make sure you're, you're clear, just when you're done, say stop clock. Okay. Okay, that way we could do it. All right, here we go. What number did Jim Brown wear with the Browns? 32. What is the name Stop of the, the Cowboys' home stadium? Uh, pass. What running back finished second in rushing yards last season? Marshawn Lynch. Who was the Baltimore Colts' starting quarterback in Super Bowl three? Jim Merle. Name the quarterback with the highest yards per attempt average last season. Um, Drew Brees. Which Hall of Fame running back rushed for 190 yards in Super Bowl 18? John Riggs. Do you want to go back? Yeah, just go no. back. No. All right, stop the clock. By my calculation, you got one question right. Oh, man, that's awful. I'm trying to get to a haircut here, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, Help me out. All right, Wes. Wes is now back in the studio. 
Should right. we tell him what he needs? No. No. Uh, All right. Don't here tell we go. me anything. All right. What number did Jim Brown wear with the Browns? 32. What is the name of the Cowboys' home stadium? Reliant Stadium. What running back finished second in rushing yards last season? Marshawn Lynch. Who is the Baltimore Colts' starting quarterback in Super Bowl III? Johnny Unitas. Name the quarterback with the highest yards per attempt average last season. Uh, Colin Kaepernick. Which Hall of Fame running back rushed for 190 yards in Super Bowl XVIII? Marcus Allen. Clock. Boom. That was a mere 25.4 seconds. <sighs> well. Ooh, well, Wes, you got two answers right. <laughs> that was enough to beat John, who wow. only got one. Wes keeps his toaster. Wow. Uh, the, the excitement level in this room is just people are not excited. John, um, thank this, you for playing. I'm sorry for the one to two loss. I mean, <laughs> hey, I what think an you did fine. Podcast I'm helping you guys out with. Yes, John, thank you for trying and thank you for listening. I thought right. trivia was more like what happened in the past, not what happened like last year. Listen, you just get the you got to do better than two, Wes. That's not trivia. Although no That's one, just like arcane stats. Well, you didn't no get knowledge. the starting quarterback of uh, Super Bowl three right. That's pretty old. Yeah. Oh, Earl Morrell. Well, the oh, answer is, oh, by there the way. Goes. He gets it yeah. now. The answer is, by the way, was uh, Cowboys home stadium is now AT&T Stadium. Alfred Morris had the second Do me a favor and yards. never, ever ask a corporate-sponsored stadium name again. Earl Morrow <laughs> started, <laughs> started that, Super Bowl three. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I like the Earl Morrill. That's the a great trick quarterback question. with the highest uh, average per attempt, uh, RG3, and you got Marcus Allen right. All right, one more game. Let's go with our second contestant. Uh, Ned, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. Ned, uh, how you feeling right now? I'm feeling great. All right, we got Wes is one for one. He already defeated one challenger. Um, but okay. at the same time, we weren't blown away by his performance. Uh, so I would think that if you have nice knowledge, you have a shot to beat him. Okay, I'll try. And by the way, congratulations on being named Ned because that's a great name. Oh, thank you, thank you. I All appreciate right. it. So we, we, while we are off air, we, we explained to Ned the rules of the game. So here we go. Round two of Win Wes's Toaster. How many teams okay. did Randy Moss play for? Uh, he's played for the Vikings, the Raiders, the Patriots, the Niners, and the Titans, so five. The defensive end, this defensive end says he wants to establish the 2020-20 club in 2013. Oh, that was J.J. Watt. Who was selected third overall in the 2012 NFL Draft? Uh, Marcel Darius. In 1992, the Packers dealt the first-round pick to acquire Brett Favre from what team? Atlanta. What quarterback had the league's lowest passer rating, minimum 10 starts, last year? Uh, last year? Yeah. Ooh, pass. The Giants beat the Bills in Super Bowl 25. Who was the game's MVP? Um, pass. Do you want to go back to anything? Uh, the Super Bowl 25. Yeah, who was the game's MVP? Um, Giants and the Bills, right? Uh, Time's up. Time's up. Time's up. Okay. All right, so you got uh, you got Moss, you got Watt, and you got the Falcons. Uh, so you got three out of six. All right, now Wes, who was sequestered, is coming back in the studio. Wes, we're okay. not going to tell you what we're not going to tell you what Ned got. You know what I just realized? What I put the Wes in sequester. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. He's working on material as he's winning his toaster. All right, here we go. Same rules. We're going to just 30 seconds. Oh. Stop the mark. When it hits 30, it's over. All right. Okay, here we go. How many teams did Randy Moss play for? Four. 
This defensive end says he wants to establish the 2020 club in 2013. J.J. Watt. Who was selected third overall in the 2012 NFL Draft? Trent Richardson. In 1992, the Packers dealt a first-round pick to acquire Brett Favre from what team? Falcons. What quarterback had the league's lowest passer rating last season, a minimum of 10, 10 starts? Blaine Gabbert. The Giants beat the Bills in Super Bowl 25. Who was the game's MVP? Phil Simms. Stop the clock. 26.8. 26.8. You got Watt, Richardson, Falcons. That's three, just like Ned. But Wes got it in 26 seconds. Ned needed the full 30. Wes keeps his toaster on a tiebreaker. Moss played for Patriots, Five teams. Titans, Vikings, 49ers. You're missing one team. You can figure that off the air. Hey, Ned, thank you very much for trying. Oh, the Raiders. Thank you for having me. The Raiders. <laughs> Very forgettable. And thank you for listening. Oh, yeah. Right, thank you. Oh, that's it. That's, that's uh, when Wes is toaster. Wes, you defended your title. That was a little tight, though. It is tight. These are, these are not easy questions against the uh, buzzer. <laughs> All right. So that is the end of the ATL podcast. Wes, Wes is a little gassed. You could tell it's, it took a lot out of him, yeah. so we're going to have to get out Noble right effort. now. Noble effort. Noble effort. Um, thank you for listening. We'll see uh, next week. We are going to uh, – that is the beginning of the regular season next week. That will be exciting. Uh, thank you to K. Rich, the mailman, the sizzler, the boss who left to get a haircut with Camille. <laughs> you can do that when you're the boss. Yeah, and uh, Lyle the intern. Thank you, Lyle. We will see you on Monday. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash grandhighlander. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Dot com slash compatibility.